0: You know, 2020 has been uh, a year in which a lot of parts of our lives have been thrown off its core. We've become misaligned. If you think about it, those of you who are students, what does it mean to be a student when you haven't been on your college campus or your high school campus for almost a year? What does it mean to uh, experience student life? Uh, Our careers have been thrown off kilters. A lot of uh, occupations or just your work habits have been radically altered and your career aspirations are different than what it used to be. Uh, Friendships have changed. Uh, People have now begun to uh, form small pods of friendship and refuse to uh, gather with larger groups and now even small pods we're hearing are dangerous and ought not to uh, get together and, and eat with those who are even friends who are not in your household what does it mean to be friends with people you can't see or people who are not on social media what does it mean to be friends with them anymore marriages have been thrown off kilter families although we spend a lot more times with our family i know that uh, marriages are struggling more than ever before i know and our faith journey has been thrown off its uh, core You know, there are five ways I believe that uh, a lot of people's faiths have changed or are changing or have been uprooted. For some, uh, they have a curious faith, meaning they uh, had no faith or had no interest in faith. But uh, strangely enough, the turmoils of 2020 has caused them to be more curious uh, and casually a search and, and to ask the question, is there something really there? For others, they continue a committed faith. Uh, these are uh, people, a lot of you from Living Hope are like this. You are loyal and you continue to do uh, what you feel like you were raised to do and what is the right thing to do. For others, you have a circumstantial faith, meaning that your faith changes with your circumstance, whether it be uh, your jobs, your relationships, and in particular your emotions. So there are some days in which your faith feels really high and deep because you emotionally feel like that, and on others' day you are emotionally down and your faith is that as well. For others, they have a cynical faith. You know, they've pursued Jesus Christ, and somewhere along the way, they feel like faith has uh, disappointed them or it has failed them. And so, you may be a Christian by name, but you really don't believe anymore. You just uh, go along for the ride, per se. And finally, you have some have a compartmentalized faith, it is complicated, and you still may do a lot of Christian things. You don't have the courage to say you're no longer a Christian, but really your heart is a distance or has been disconnected with the core of faith. 2020 has has changed a lot of things, and and your faith, the faith for a lot of people, has changed. And as we begin the first Sunday of 2021— I want us to look at, and we're going to be going through the rest of the Gospel of Mark from now until about Easter. Uh, Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. If you have your Bibles or if you have your smartphone, you can fire it up. And Jesus is on the way to the cross. And in fact, in chapter 9, he talked about his upcoming death. And in chapter 10, a little bit later, he'll talk about it again. It literally is uh, his last days. And during his last days, he's having adult conversations. Uh, He's talking about teaching things to his adult uh, followers about uh, eternal serious matters. At the beginning of chapter 10, he talks about divorce. When is it if life gets really, really difficult is it ever okay for a follower of Jesus Christ to pursue divorce? And, and right after this incident, he talks about eternal life. A, a young man comes to him and says, If I were to die today, how can I be sure that I have inherited eternal life? these are the kind of conversations you have uh, without the catapult youth students in the room after the kids have gone to bed let's talk about divorce let's talk about what life is like after death in the middle of serious conversations chapter 10 verse 13 through 16 and they were bringing children to him that he might touch them and the disciples rebuked them and when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. And my plea as we begin the year 2021 is this, that last year a lot of our faiths had been turned upside down. It has become curious or committed or uh, circumstantial or cynical or compartmentalized. And I would like to say to you uh, from this passage that we need to go back to the core or a, or a childlike faith, a childlike faith. Two parts to my message today. Uh, The first part is from a song, Jesus Loves the Little Children, and the second part, also from a song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. Uh, I believe the the lower thirds may have a different title there, but uh, Jesus Loves the Little Children, and Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. Jesus loves the little children. Verse 13, And they, most likely moms and dads, are bringing their children to him that he might touch them or bless them And and the word for children is a word uh, that can mean, you know, like from infants to a toddler. But in Luke's account, a parallel account, in fact, Matthew, Mark, Luke all talk about this particular story. Luke uses the word infant. And we kind of know that they are uh, little, little babies because Jesus takes them in his arms, not in his lap, and he blesses them. So moms and dads are bringing their infants, KKJ, 0-1, through to Jesus to have him pray for them. And the word that is used, uh, bringing, is an imperfect word, meaning they kept trying but were turned away. And they were turned away by the disciples for some reason. And it's strange, the ones who should have uh, known better... The disciples who knew the uh, the teachings of Jesus the most. They are the ones who turn away the moms and the dads. And it's as if we're having a serious service on some serious topics on divorce and on death. And a new parent comes to church, asks the usher, hey, can the pastor pray for my baby? It's his first day. And it says that the disciples not only said no, but they were indignant. They were angry. They rebuked. Um, um, they rebuked the moms and dads for wanting to do so, and I'm not sure why they were. Perhaps they thought, "No, this is a serious moment. We need to preserve Jesus's time because it's his last days." Perhaps they thought that he was just tired, that he didn't need to be bothered, or perhaps uh, they're like some people say, "No, this is an adult service. Children don't belong." But the disciples rebuked moms and dads who wanting to bring their KKJ kids into service to have them be prayed over. You know, it's something that uh, people in that culture did. They they would bring their babies to uh, the synagogue and have uh, the, the priest pray over their child or, or, or a teacher of the law, believing that it's not that, that that teacher has a special power, but because that teacher represented the synagogue or God or the elders or the law, that God would uh, grant special grace to them. And so that's what they were doing. You know, before Living Hope and before I even finished seminary, um, I was an interim pastor in Korea for one year. And, you know, what was strange is that I, my Korean wasn't very good, but I spoke and I, I preached in Korean every week for a, a year. And it was hilarious at times because I would make all sorts of mistakes. And, and that's for another time. But what, and the church was located in a city, in a university. Uh, and the university was like the MIT of Korea, so extremely, extremely smart people, a lot of PhDs and a lot of, uh, you know, um, smart students. And we rented a, a hall in, on campus, and I would preach there every week in Korean. And one Sunday I was preaching, uh, and, you know, I, I'm all decked out in suits because that's what we did over there. A little boy, maybe four or five years old, he, uh, came, you know, opened the door and came into service, the adult service. And, and my, my initial reaction is, uh-oh, he escaped children's ministry. And he, he saw me, and he and his parents were in the audience, but instead of going to his mom and dad, which you think that's what he would do, like look for mom and dad, I'm lost, or, where are you but he saw me and he came directly at me or to me while i was preaching and then he held out something which was candy and i thought oh he wants to give his pastor candy and i thought this was, i i felt so warm and fuzzy at that moment and I felt like the the, the church is going to really think this as a positive moment. His parents must be proud that their son is giving the pastor candy. He held out the candy. I said, thank you, and I took the candy, and I was going to put it in my pocket, but he just kept reaching for the candy. I was a little bit confused. I I thought you were giving this to me until I realized what he wanted was for me to unwrap the candy and give it back to him. the disciples wanted to stop those kind of interruptions and they became, uh, they rebuked the parents. To that which Jesus became indignant, he got angry at the disciples. Head ushers, welcoming ministry deacons, why would you rebuke parents for wanting to do that? And I believe that Jesus rebuked his disciples for two reasons. Number one is really simple believe Jesus loved kids he just loved children genuinely he just loved kids he wasn't bothered by them he wasn't too busy for them he wasn't too adult for them in fact he would sing the song Jesus loved the little children all the children of the world red and yellow black and white they are precious in a sight Jesus loves the little children of the world One commentator writes, that tells us that Jesus was the kind of person who cared for children and for whom children cared for, whom children care. He could not have been a stern and gloomy and joyless person. There must have been a kindly sunshine on him. He must have smiled easily and laughed joyously. Somewhere, George MacDonald says that he does not believe in a man's Christianity if the children are never to be found playing around this door. This little precious incident throws a flood of light on the human kind of person. Jesus was the reason why Jesus uh, became indignant at his disciples is simply because he loved kids. Why would you want to uh, stop them from coming? And he not only said, don't uh, stop them, but bring them to me. And I believe there's a second reason why Jesus became Uh, indignant at the disciples not only did he love the kids but he loved the parents of those kids you know what is it if you think about it that would cause a the parent of an infant child to want to have the spiritual leader pray for that child Uh, you know a lot of people when they have their children for you know for those of you who have had kids I, mean, I don't know if you remember what it felt like raising a baby. I, I, I remember when I was, um, you know, when my wife and I were raising our, our daughters, I, our, we, we thought we would break them. And we thought, boy, what if we make a tragic mistake? What if we uh, read the wrong things or show them the wrong programs? We were nervous. We were a self-conscious. Uh, we are scared, and what would cause a parent, a parents of an infant, to want to come and get prayed for? As they love their kids more than anything else in the world, but they were also insecure about their own competency, and they said, "If you are a spiritual leader, if you, ha- if you have insights with God, would you pray for our child?" And I believe Jesus understood their hearts and he had compassion on the hearts of parents who would do so and by the way living hope i know we've had a lot of babies born this year and and unfortunately uh, not a lot of babies were able to come but uh, we're hoping by spring we can have baby dedication and, and we, we want to pray for your baby you know if you for those of you who've ever been to any of our offices upstairs, a pastor's office, you know that in my office, Pastor Ben Tabal's office, Pastor James Lee's office, and in the staff office where Kali uh, used to have his desk, that not only do we have our desks, but we have a table with chairs. And all the private offices are, are designed that way. And the reason being is that we share our offices with children that um, when before covid that on sundays at about 11:30 or 12 o'clock uh, a group of kids would occupy our office and have small groups and uh, the mandate is that we have to share our space with children if someone is applying to our church for a full-time position and we tell them you'll have an office and they say thank you and we'll tell them, but you have to share it with kids. And if that prospective uh, candidate says, you know, I'd rather not share my office with children. I want to have it secure, locked, and, and, and really just have it as my a personal space. And I would probably say, thank you. You can do that at another church, but not Living Hope. Because we love our kids. And we want pastors who would say, um, let the little kids come jesus loves the little children and if there's a second part to this particular story and um, it would be titled jesus loves me this i know uh, jesus loves me this i know um, in verse 15 truly i say to you and, and whoever does not receive the kingdom of god uh, like a child shall not enter it and he took them in his arms and he blessed them laying his hands on them and i want you to read carefully here Uh, whoever does not receive the kingdom of god listen like a child shall not enter in so if i would uh, rephrase it in a proposition it would be this those who receive the kingdom of god like a child, shall enter the kingdom of God. He's not making a quantitative statement about children, but rather a qualitative statement about faith, faith like a child, or child-like faith. You know, we believe, theologians believe, that children who are unable to make a decision for Christ, children who are um, unable to know right from wrong, that God has a special heart for them, and that, uh, that as 2 Samuel 12:23, when David, King David, lost his infant son, he says that he cannot come to me, but I shall go to him. Meaning that um, although that, that infant son was able to verbally, cognitively confess Jesus as Lord, that somehow David will see him in heaven. And that God has grace on, on infants or children in that way. But in First uh, Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, Paul says, When I was a child, I thought as a child, spoke as a child. Now I've become a man. I put away childish things. Now listen carefully. He talks about stages in life or phases in life. There's a, a time when we're childlike, and there's a time when we're adult-like. And in this particular scene, he's saying, if your faith is like a child. He's not simply talking about children, because children are childlike, so I believe it's all-inclusive. But even adults, do we have a compartmentalized, cynical, committed, curious faith, or do we have a childlike faith? What does it mean to have childlike faith? Or what does it mean to be a child? And, and, you know, we have mostly grown-ups here, and you've forgotten what it used to be like being a child. And, and, and like, like a toddler child. Um, let me give you three things, what children are like, especially like KKJH. First of all, children are honest. Children are honest. Uh, Mark um, uh, uh, Vroegup says in his book, Dark Clouds and Deep Mercy, who taught you to cry? The answer, of course, is no one. Although you don't remember it, the first sound you made when you left the warm and protected home of your mother's womb was a loud wail, a heartfelt protest. Every human being has the same opening story. Life begins with tears. It's part of what it means to be human. To cry is human. One of the distinguishing marks of an infant when he's born or when when she's born is that they cry. Why do babies cry? They cry because they're hungry. And they cry when um, the aftermath of what they've eaten doesn't get taken care of, right? So they need food or a diaper change. That's when they cry. A baby, when a baby is uncomfortable or in pain, does not try to suck it up, does not try to say, well, you know, I, I don't want to bother my parents, but their needs are expressed in tears. And they cry out. They're not too ashamed. They're not, uh, they don't try to hold it in because they're in public or in a situation. They're, they're supposed to be quiet. They cry out. That's, the, that's one of the distinguishing marks of an infant, is it not? But somewhere along the way, we tell our kids don't cry and somewhere along the way we tell ourselves I shouldn't cry I shouldn't express my hurts and pains I shouldn't be vulnerable lest someone else looks down on me out of arrogance out of uh, a seemingly shame we stop being honest with ourselves And I believe one of the distinguishing differences between a child and an adult is that a child is completely honest. But an adult, we're not quite sure what they're thinking and feeling. And when Jesus says, you must have faith like a child, part of what he's saying is that you must be honest with your own brokenness and pain. You can't talk yourself, rationalize, and hide the fact that you are in pain or you are in need. The second distinguishing mark of children is that children are dependent. You know, I watch animal shows for some reason. I I don't know quite why. I, I understand why I like science fiction shows, but I don't quite understand why I like animal shows, but I do. Uh, but one of the things I discovered when I watched, like I, I, I would watch a gazelle having a baby, a, a mother gazelle having giving birth in the middle of the field, and that that baby comes out, and within like a minute they stand up and they can start running. It's it's remarkable. A kangaroo can have a baby and and it would crawl up the the mom and go into the little pouch. Um, A completely helpless kangaroo, Joey, is able to somehow latch itself and climb. I want you to think about it. A human baby after, completely useless, completely incompetent. What can a baby do? Can't run from predators, can't climb up to uh, mom, can't even turn around, can't even hold its neck upright, right? A human baby boy, uh, a human baby is one of the most uh, incompetent, listen carefully, dependent human uh, forms of life that we know. And babies know that or they know that they need help. They cannot feed themselves, they cannot clean themselves, they cannot bathe themselves, they cannot uh, change themselves they really can't do anything. And the mark of growing up and, and parents, you know, when we raise kids, we have these little markers. Oh, if they can get toilet trained or party trained. Oh, if they can feed themselves. Oh, if they can just change into their own pajamas. Oh, if they can uh, begin to do their homework on by themselves or do their Zoom class without help. What parents long for are children becoming more independent. And really, that that is a part of growth. But if you think about it, uh, the the difference between a baby and an adult is not only does the baby progress in their competency, but the baby uh, progresses from dependent to independent from i need you to survive to i don't need anyone the children are dependent and they know it and they sense it the problem with adults problem with you and me is that we think that we're autonomous and we think we're competent we think listen carefully that we're good enough or we ought to be good enough and so we believe that we don't need anyone including the lord jesus christ but when jesus says you must have a child like faith i believe one of the things that christ is saying is that you need to like a child know that you are not alone that you need your heavenly father still from, for the rest of your life and through eternity. And that um, it is not your will, but the Lord's will, that you need to obey and, and trust in his guidance. And so Jesus said when he taught his disciples to pray, not, um, that thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when he prayed himself in his last days, yet not what I will, but your, what you will. It is a prayer of a child, not an adult there's a third distinguishing mark of children is that children are trusting children are trusting you know children are just remarkable in that uh the younger they are they believe whatever you tell them right yeah and one of the reasons why children believe everything is because they know nothing they don't know the difference between possible and impossible uh, they don't know the difference between reasonable and unreasonable or natural or supernatural. They categorize everything into, if mom tells me this is it, then I believe it. I trust you. And they were kind of designed to be dependent on, upon uh, on their, uh, on everything, including knowledge and what is true or not true. They're not cynical. They haven't compartmentalized life. They absorb what is told to them, and they simply trust. And so they would sing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so, and for children, that's good enough. Life is not so compartmentalized and, and complicated. They simply believe because the Bible tells me. So listen carefully. If you're thinking about 2021, and if your, comp, if your faith has become so compartmentalized and cynical, may I suggest that you would have a childlike faith and, and, and go back to these simple truth. What if what the Bible says is actually true? Regardless of your emotions or what the culture has to say to you, what social media tries to convey to you, what if what the Bible says is actually true? What if When Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. What if that's actually true that what we are responsible is not to be so anxious about life, but to continue to seek the kingdom and God will give to us all that we need. Maybe not what all that the culture says we need or what my flesh tells me I need. What if, regardless of how hurt you've been by the actions and the words of other people, that we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ who said that we ought to forgive uh, those who sinned against us? And if we say, no, but what about justice? What if we really believe the Lord who says, vengeance is mine, that we leave justice to the Lord in this life or in eternity, and we can be completely okay with that? What if we really believe uh, that that God knows us intimately, what's in our hearts, what are, what we're gonna say, what's go- what is in store for us in the future? What if we really, like a child, simply believe Jesus loves me? This I know. And I'm gonna ask the the band to come up at this time. You know the. The older we get, we go from that simple childlike faith to something much more complicated, unnecessarily. We go from uh, this childlike faith that we had when we were young to something uh, really that's misaligned. And what I would challenge us in 2021 is for us to to have and pursue a simple childlike faith, and if, you, if you're if you confused or you're not quite sure how to do so, just pick up your Bible. Just pick up your Bible, and if you don't even know where to look, just start in the Gospel of Mark. Just read and just believe everything that it says is actually true. Jesus loves me to sign off for the Bible tells me so. We're Some of us have been in the church way too long. We've forgotten the simplicity of that faith that song. And um, I want us to sing it. And would you stand with me as our band leads us in this chorus and then going forward.